You're listening to RHR Talks, the podcast where the RHR team talks all things recruitment and advertising. We're going to be covering various topics on which we're regularly asked by candidates and hiring managers and offering our industry insight, which we hope you'll find useful, whether you're looking for that next opportunity or just to find the best talent. I'm Paul Walsh, one of the consultants at RHR. Each week, I'm going to be joining conversation with various professionals, either within our business or with close connections to us. This week, I'm sitting down with Victoria Partington and Mel Kutcher. Having worked with both at RHR, I wanted to talk about the differences and similarities working as an in-house recruiter and how they've found the market over the last 18 months. Thank you very much for doing this. My name is Paul. I'm one of the consultants at RHR, and I am very excited to be joined with my two ex-colleagues, but also friends. And um, yeah, I'll throw it over to you guys. Introduce yourself. What's your name? Where'd you come from? (laughs) (laughs) Um, My name's Mel. I work at Booking.com as a recruiter for um, partner services within the EMEA region. We can obviously delve a bit deeper into that partner services means later and I'm Victoria so I'm a talent acquisition partner with Babylon Health um, and I lead the hiring there for our corporate teams across the US and the UK but yeah as you've just said Mel we can go into what that actually covers in a little bit can't we yes I mean, the premise of this episode, really, it's a really broad title. So we wanted to look at in-house versus agency, but there's so many areas that that covers. So I thought it'd be good to look at the differences between an agency recruiter and an in-house recruiter. And there's a couple of points that I wanted to pick your guys' brains about, really. Um, Mm -hmm. And then really looking at the whole candidate side of things around sourcing and processes and, and particular challenges that you've found. And then looking at the relationships between in-house and supplier, whether that be advertising or obviously agency partnerships that you work with. But for for those people that don't know, and if you haven't had a LinkedIn stock, we all used to work together at RHR and that's the connection. One of the big questions, and I'll just throw it out there straight away, is um, what attracted either of you to make the move from agency to an in-house position? Yeah, it's an interesting question. I think everyone's got their own reasons I just think it from from me personally um you know I love I loved agency I loved you know the team and the people I work with more than anything and it it gave me you know great roots in recruitment and you know a passion around it and I just think it I'd reached a point where I wanted to try something new um just grow in a different environment and see what it was like to actually like work for a brand and um learn more around maybe strategic elements of talent acquisition and you know what it's like to actually make a difference within one brand and just see like how can you progress your career in in that situation um because obviously agency that it was great because you worked with so many different brands but you kind of left it at the higher point so it was just interesting to kind of do a 360 recruitment role um for one brand yeah I guess I'm similar to you with that Mel so I'd worked agency side for 10 years uh, and loved it and had the best time doing it but I think there gets to a point when you've done or if you've done anything for that long and I think for me I was like I just don't feel like I'm learning anymore and I just wanted to change and I just wanted to do something different and learn 
exactly as you've just said, Mel, a different side of recruiting and what that looks like mm. in a brand. Because I guess for me, kind of longer term, that's probably more where I saw myself being in the next 10 years. Loved agency, but yeah, I just didn't see myself there kind of in the next 10 years to come, to be honest. Mm. I mean, looking at the differences working in-house versus agency, I think you touched upon a couple of the ones there, and that the main one is being part of that process beyond the, the hire. What, what, what have you found some of the major differences being? I think, do you know what? It, it's, it's a really interesting question, actually, and I guess it's different kind of company to company. For some things, a lot of things are the same, but... Do you know what I've actually found is that I actually think your workload is probably greater in-house. Mm. You, know, you can pick and choose to a certain extent what you want to work on and don't want to work on, whereas in-house, you don't get that luxury. You don't get that option. You know, If that's your area and that's vacancy, then you're hiring for it. And I guess the other probably more obvious difference that I found is that in-house is much less target driven. There are still targets, but it's not the be all and end all, if Mm. that makes sense. You know, agency wise, you very much, you're only as good as your last billing month, so to speak. Whereas in-house, it's a bit more, it's a picture more bigger picture it's less of a numbers game yes it's still about hiring but it's more of the journey around hiring and the partnerships mm-hmm. build if that makes sense I don't know what you think Mel yeah I completely agree with everything you've said I think each in-house role is going to be different depending on where you're working they'll have you know they'll be different a completely different setup or if you're recruiting for something different but the main thing is, is yeah, you can't walk away from recruiting a role or someone else isn't going to fill that role for you whilst you're attempting to, to fill that role. So the relationship side is is so, so important. And, you know, you want to build good relationships. You obviously, you know, people, you're not going to get on with everyone, but you can't walk away from it, basically. So you need to, like, make that work and you need to build those relationships and they need to be strong and you need to kind of, be forward thinking about those relationships as well and other things as well it's more varied like I think the stakeholders you work with are more varied because you're you're very in touch with HR as well as the hiring managers for your roles you know you're working on internal roles as well and things that are going on internal and thinking strategically about you know what attrition is coming down down the line or you know what potentially is going to come your way and why and HR obviously need to give you updates on what's going on internally and you know internal hiring is different to when you go externally as well mm-hmm. uh, and then you might have like branding or marketing or social that you need to be speaking to about and that kind of comes in that 360 element whether it's about how you're going to attract candidates um just you know many elements of it really so I just think the stakeholder part is really the biggest biggest difference I think because you have to build your own brand and you do in agency it was always okay what's what's that brand that you're building how are you going to get that across to people but it would be at different times and it would be you know different contacts or even new ones and obviously in in the business you're always there and you're that go-to aren't you so 
you know, it really is about building your brand and and delivering. Yeah, it's all. I mean, it's all relationship building anyway. Recruitment in general, to be honest, is just um, yeah, just a slightly yeah. different environment. What what did you find were the biggest misconceptions? Because everyone has an idea. You know, I've never worked in house, so I have an idea of what it might be. But actually, what are the misconceptions? Always, sorry, one thing that always stands up out to me. I don't know if you remember, but I do remember as a you know in agency thinking not really understanding the workload that an in-house recruiter might be faced with and thinking that they did a very similar job to you so that, you know, I think, yeah, I just think there's that the misconception in agency is, I suppose, that, that we're not very busy. Yeah, that it's easier life. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, I suppose the easy life part, I think, comes from the, the target element in agency, which is obviously difficult and puts pressure on you. So you think that the targets piece is is the difficult element to but in agency you might not be targeted on that way but there are other pressures and because your workload is vaster in terms of the stakeholders that you're working with and it involves training and it involves the, you know following up with hiring and it involves onboarding and it involves you know working with HR and having campaigns around recruitment and things like that so you're always busy and you're always in a meeting so like you don't you're really not just sitting there <laughs> waiting for an agency to call you I love that you say that I love that you said that Mel because my answer is going to be exactly the same thing it's so true yeah I do remember sitting there and when you're doing your I don't know, your, your business development calls. And you'd always be like, why can I never get hold of that person? Like, they're always in a meeting and I just don't believe that they are. <laughs> like, the tables have turned and I'm like, oh my God, I am that person. Yeah, yeah. Into all these agencies. Like, I'm so busy. I can't possibly speak to you today. You know, I'm busy till like a week on Wednesday. So that was definitely my biggest mm. misconception is that actually people in-house when they say busy they actually are you know they're not just having a bit of a jolly and blocking time out in their diary yeah. fear. like it is I wish. yeah <laughs> that'd yeah, be nice I can imagine you being in the middle of something and you get that call being like hi how are you <laughs> I'm fine. I'm fine. <laughs> um, obviously, just moving on slightly um, and looking, obviously, at the last, I mean, I say 12 months, but it's been longer than 12 months in the pandemic. Um, you know, each of you are working in slightly different sectors. So it'd just be good to know how, how, how your role has been affected over the last 12 months and how you've had to adapt because of that. So I guess for me, I've only been at Babylon actually since December. And um, before that, my my last role at Groupon was affected because I was made redundant from there. Um, so I guess it's been it's been a real weird thing actually joining a company kind of in lockdown. Mm-hmm. Been there for like five months and I haven't met anybody on my team. Well, I've met like a couple of people. So that's been really strange having to get all your laptop through the post and kind of do all your onboarding virtually. Mm. It's been a totally different way of having to work for it. You know, I've never like worked from home before. Yeah. And so all of a sudden, like starting a new job, a totally different sector, like recruiting for a lot of roles that I've never recruited for before either um it's been really difficult but I think generally 
companies have been really good and have been really flexible and willing to kind of adapt to accommodate people. But I guess you've just had to, well, I've just had to, I guess, really manage my time better. Because it's easy when you just sat like at your desk all day, not to get up, not to do anything. Whereas in an office, you'd more naturally walk around and chat with people and you'd have those breaks. So Mm -hmm. there have been times when it comes to the the end of the day, I just think I've even stepped away. I've not got off my chair all day. Yeah. Quite intense at times. Because my Fitbit's usually vibrating on my arm, being like, you need to stand up and actually move. (laughs) You're still there. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I get it. (laughs) I have where it tells me to breathe sometimes as well. I'm like, no. (laughs) (laughs) And then I'm like, skip. (laughs) Work to do. From a sector perspective then, how how has your sector been affected by COVID in terms of the overall business? I mean, good question. I'm in the travel sector, so... Majorly impacted. Um, obviously, people aren't traveling. There's not much going on. Um, so I suppose it's linking to what I said at the beginning where I said I recruit for partner services. So essentially, that's like the commercial side of the business and the partner services part of the business are the partner facing. So our partners being in our accommodations, for example. So personally, where I recruit for that element, you can obviously see how that's impacted their roles. Typically, they're out traveling, they're meeting partners. So that's obviously had to stop, um, you know, and and it's all around, you know, building that relationship with partners and having a positive experience with booking and obviously helping them get people book their accommodations, essentially. So that's obviously, you know, generally been put on hold. So, you know, it has been a difficult time and there, you know, were redundancies made, uh, you know, processes going on last year to, I suppose, to make the business fit for purpose with, you know, what's coming down the line with COVID and in anticipation of the next few years, I suppose. Um, You know, luckily Booking is in a good position financially to, you know, withstand this year and get through it even without, you know, making a big profit and with the bookings. So, you know, in that sense, we're very lucky. But yeah, I think people's roles have changed working from home. It's a completely different environment to be suddenly working from home and not in the office. So I think it's impacted people that way. Trying to keep people engaged has been difficult for teams and, and you know, booking do a lot to try and do that. But it's still, you know, being a global company, we've got access to, you know, a lot of... Um, tools and ways to keep engaged and we've had well-being month for may which is great so it's like focusing there's lots of activities and workshops and webinars that everyone can get involved with whenever it suits their diary and also they've given everyone two days off for the end of may just like that outside oh, that's of that's nice yeah so you know as a the ceo announced that so Obviously, it's impacted. It's been challenging. It's definitely been challenging for the commercial sector. Things have had to change. They've they've done everything they can to kind of keep the relationships and help partners through the process, you know, um, guide giving them guidelines on how to get through the pandemic. Um, but as a business, yeah, there's been a real focus on well-being and getting feedback on how people are coping in the situation and working from home. Um, and you know, and a great, I think, a great. It's worth shouting out the fact that the business did give 
pretty much everyone in the business the 27th and 28th of, of May off. Obviously, I think there's some people that can't, but they'll have to take that when they want to. We just need the weather for it now. I know. I'm like, yeah, I've got five-day weekend because we've got a bank holiday on the 31st, haven't we? Yeah. 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 What, about, what about the healthcare side of things? I mean, that's a very, very different sector. How, how have you guys been affected? So <laughs> I guess it, it's really has been the right sector to join at this time because over the last like 12 months healthcare has literally been the number one thing on everybody's mind and mm. um, Babylon reacted super fast to COVID so we've got like an amazing team of people here who built our COVID-19 health tracker in the height of the pandemic. Oh, wow. 10 days to build it. So basically the idea was that people could go onto this health tracker and answer questions to basically suss out if they thought they had COVID or Mm -hmm. not, Um, which generated a load of really positive press for Babylon as well. And I think that was actually the first time I'd heard of Babylon. So I thought, wow, what an amazing thing to do. And I read about it in the in the national press. So it's been a really, really good year for us. You know, we're mm-hmm. the UK's fastest and largest growing GP practice. We've got... Yeah. I've like with you guys. It's good, isn't it? Yeah, it's really good. I mean, I haven't used, used it more recently but it's also good when you've got a kid as well because you know quick calls and you can arrange it fast but they're great because you get e- i get update emails from them still when they talk about debunking yeah. around covid and so you you know they're good at giving information as well generally so yeah, yeah. they have been really good and i think they've really kind of used the situation to try and give back a bit of reassurance to people mm. and it's like a lot of pressure off the NHS as well yeah. by yeah. service so yeah the company's done really well I think they've reacted in the right way through all this new innovation with tech and healthcare and what we can offer to patients mm. so, hats off to them there's all sorts of super exciting growth continuing to happen here at the moment so you know Babylon's reacted really well and come out of it really well which is lucky yeah yeah definitely from a candidate perspective then um obviously you recruit for a variety of different positions it's interesting to know what are your main methods of attracting candidates I know it's going to differ for each business but how, how are you getting those candidates in right now for me it's just a lot of link currently you know we're working at the moment around kind of building up our employer branding like how that actually looks and making our kind of talent site better um so it's a lot of LinkedIn at the moment you know a lot of and actually using hiring managers and other members of the teams to try and get referrals and recommendations but I guess we're quite lucky as well in that and I guess you probably are as well Mel in that it's quite a strong brand and with Mm. kind of the way the market is at the moment it's kind of a brand that people want to work for and feel a bit with so it's it's not too challenging but yeah mainly LinkedIn to be Mm. honest our own website 
Mm. I think our, our, for us, yeah, we've got a great um, employer branding team. So, you know, there's a lot of work that's done behind that. Our careers page is really strong. Um, and obviously people know who Booking are and we're a global business. So there has to be a lot of work behind that about getting across, you know, what our values and our culture are. So I think they do it really, really well. Mm-hmm. We get a lot through our website. The biggest attraction tool is our website. Mm-hmm. Um, and then LinkedIn, you know, definitely is a big, big part of it. We get a lot of referrals and you, we use local job boards as well a lot with, from my perspective where I work within the EMEA team. So we're all regionally based. So we've all got roles in different parts of EMEA. Mm-hmm. Um, so still the website and LinkedIn are our main sources, but we also have different relationships with local job boards. So use those as well. Yeah. A question that I've got really is because of, I keep getting this from candidates and I, I do really feel for them, especially when they're applying via LinkedIn and it's so competitive mm-hmm. out there. You put one role up and you're going to have, in some cases, hundreds of applications. How are you assessing suitability? How are you getting that shortlist down when there's so many good people out there? Well, look, you know, in terms of if they are actually are suitable for the role, but maybe to the post by someone else, it, you know, we do in certain Certain roles and locations, we get a really great response. So you, there are a lot of applications to look through in terms of standing out. Honestly, tailor your CV, you know, actually look at the role, look at the job description and tailor your CV because you'd be surprised that people don't do it and then their experience isn't selling what they're doing and it's not really relevant to the role. And sometimes, it, you know, it probably could be a bit more relevant or if they actually looked at, okay, actually, oh, I need this. I have done that. That's not very clear on my CV. Let me amend it. Do a cover letter. Keep it short. Keep it concise. But tell us why why you're applying and why you want to work for us. And honestly, we look at these things and hiring managers do look at these things don't be long-winded with it. We want to be able to kind of spot the things we're looking for quite quickly. So my biggest advice is every application you make, tailor your CV and your cover letter and make it relevant. Um, I think that's a really, really good point. And I totally echo what you say. Actually, I'm always surprised at the amount of people who don't tailor their CV what they're applying to but to answer your earlier question Paul how I tend to whittle things down is what I'll do first is I guess make sure that I've spent time with that hiring manager going through what it is they want and I'll actually say to them right from a CV perspective what do you want to see on there and I'll use that as my first go-to for kind of whittling them down. And then what I usually tend to do is once I've whittled them down a bit, I'll then sit down with the hiring manager and go, right, these are the ones that, I don't know, I've maybe taken down to top 10. What do you think? Who are your top five on there? So I'm kind of working with them. So I understand candidates' frustrations, but I guess it's not just always the case that you know recruiters aren't looking at your cv or they're just blocking it like we have looked at it mm-hmm. and i've then asked hiring managers as well what they want to do yeah. and i think as well as in the current market there are a lot of people applying to roles so don't get too downhearted if you haven't been Mm-hmm. select something you know it's t- 
tough competition at the moment, whereas weren't in this situation 18 months ago, but now there's a lot of really good people who have been laid off due to COVID. So it is quite a challenging time because there's a lot of good talent out there looking for jobs. So I guess mm. sometimes you've got to keep going and just because you haven't been successful for one role, that's not necessarily a really poor reflection on your experience. It might just be a case of there has just been somebody else who's applied. Yeah. Experience. Yeah. I mean, I'm usually, I, I, I try to be quite helpful in that if I, I don't know, reject somebody from a role and they email me saying, why have you rejected me? I will try and where mm-hmm. I can get back to them and go, well, it's because like this, this and this. Yeah. You know, sometimes rejection emails are generic for a reason because if we do have hundreds of applications that we just haven't got time to go through them all. But mm-hmm. there's no harm in reaching out to recruiters just to ask for a bit more feedback if you if you want to, if you do feel um, like you yeah. You were great for a particular role and you've been rejected. I don't mind people reaching out to me and I'm happy to, to tell yeah. you. Yeah, that. I was going to say the same thing. I do reach out. If you are, you, if you do need a bit more feedback, the rejection emails do tend to be generic. And like Phoebe said, it is literally just down to having hundreds of applications and you can't give individual feedback for every application. Mm-hmm. But do, if you want it, reach back, reach out. And I do always respond to that. Yeah. I think it's, you know, we, we talked actually in an earlier podcast episode around LinkedIn and that whole one-click apply. And it, it yeah. can be so easy when people are actively looking to just have a rough day and think, right, I'm going to apply to 20 jobs. But actually, you've just sent that generic CV out to 20 very different businesses. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, what about... Um, from a, a partnership perspective, I have to ask you, are you inundated with BD calls? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Tell me some funny stories. Every time I post a new role, there is a barrage of emails. But, you know, again, I don't mind it. I've been in that situation. I know that's your job. I know that's what you have to do. Um, I haven't really got any funny stories. I guess I've, I've probably not worked. It, it's different because at Groupon, we didn't use agencies at all, like mm. literally at all. I think most people knew that, so kind of left us alone. It's, it's a bit different, but I haven't really got any funny stories. Mel, you must have. I don't, because at Debenhams, I would get calls. Um, not that much at booking where we don't have because I don't know if it's because I'm not in the headquarters which is in Amsterdam so we don't have landline so we use like something called Cisco Jabba anyway so I don't I, obviously there is a number but I don't get calls a lot often through it and I found anyway that the way people are approaching nowadays is LinkedIn and email so I do get those but obviously you can't you don't find as many funny situations when someone sends you an email or yeah. like a din message but i do remember when i was at debenhams that there was somebody i won't name the agency or the person but that was just very over familiar and kept like inviting themselves round to like the reception area saying they were going to bring me donuts and coffee and it was just like i don't know <laughs> they you. Don't know you <laughs> i've never spoken to you <laughs> 
um, you know, like drop the donuts off, but I'm not going to talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, you know, don't get me wrong. It got me, you know, piqued my interest. I was like, you know, donuts. But yeah, there was, and then there was another time, I think, where they were like, oh, it's Easter and we're going around and we're dropping like eggs off to people. And it was just a bit, over familiar it was a bit weird who's yeah. filling your vacancy when you're on the egg drop <laughs> we, don't use it. We, don't, we don't use agencies we don't so i'm not even yeah just take the chocolate and and them occasionally down. we use finance but i will say actually useful tip for you it's usually driven unless there's like a strict psl in place and even when you do we all know it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to stick to that psl it's there it, especially if you you don't generally use agencies, it is there, but it's not necessarily looked at or adhered to. Depends on the company, but it will be the hiring managers that will push it on you. Mm. That will be. Yeah. I've got this CV so from somebody. Can we interview them? Like, let's go with them. Blah blah blah. And then it just comes down to a question of budget and if you can use them or not. Really. So. Yeah. Hiring manager are happy to take it out of their budget, then you might go along with it. But I know, like, from my perspective, we don't allow a budget for agencies, so we, we don't use them. From there, uh, we're kind of going full circle here as well, because I, I, I thought it might be good to look at your biggest learn. Um, and this sounds like such an interview question. I really don't want to make, make it sound like that. But <laughs> what, what is your biggest learn from moving in-house that you would tell your previous agency self? I feel like I've put that in so an interview for meaningful. I know. And I was feeling quite reflective when I thought about it. I know. You have to really think about that one. I don't know if this is the biggest learn or not, but I think it's not as easy as you think it's going to be. Mm. I think a lot of this comes from... You're kind of conditioned in a little way, aren't you, when you're in agency to think that all in-house recruiters need your help because... You know, you're kind of made to think that agency recruiters are better than in-house recruiters. So I was like, when I left, I thought, like, oh, this is going to be, I'm going to love this. It's going to be really easy. I'm going to walk in and be like, yes, this is amazing. And I remember my first couple of weeks there, this is when I moved to Groupo, like my first in-house role. And I was just like, mm, this is not, this is nowhere near as easy as I had arrogantly told myself it was going to be there was a lot more to learn and there's all these real like things that you were saying earlier Mel about you know having to go to all these meetings about so many different things Mm -hmm. which you just don't ever I guess factor in that you're going to have to do really and it is actually a much broader role when you've got to have your finger in a lot of pies you're not just there to do a transactional recruitment role you know you're there to really build a partnership with all your stakeholders and make you know make the process better and make it a better experience for everybody so yeah that's what I would say is it's not going to be as easy as you think it is yeah I agree I'll you know I completely agree with you on that one it is not necessarily what I expected. I don't think you know what to expect, do you? You know, you have an idea and that's fair enough because you can only know it from, you know, your side and your experience. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's just, it's this, it's very similar. You know, there's a lot of similarities and you get, you learn, you have the right um, 
skill sets and experience and it's all transferable and you know you know what you're doing when you're in agency just like you do in the house but I just think like you said more fingers in more pies is is how it ultimately is um and you just get a bit more involved yeah from that perspective and thinking about it from a 360 perspective which I don't think necessarily think or have the exposure to when you're in agency because it really is like end-to-end recruitment and thinking strategically mm-hmm. what needs to be changed or what's going to affect this and even things like being responsible for training and hiring um and training people like your hiring managers on actually how to interview um you know being involved in how you're going to set that up and how they're going to learn and how they can give feedback. And it's just, I mean, there's so many examples that. Yeah. <laughs> and how you do feedback. <laughs> do you think. Yeah, um, I know, but don't get me started on that. I'm, <laughs> sometimes you're like, they can request to see this, you know. <laughs> do you know what, though? I found that was one of the main things that I took with me from our HR was that real kind of passion about wanting to give candidates feedback and my biggest frustration would be when you wouldn't get interview feedback from a client for your candidate so I'm like a big believer now in I'm going to come and stand by your desk until you give me feedback for that person because to me something that's so important that I guess if you maybe haven't worked in an agency and you haven't seen what that looks like on the other side of the coin Mm. that's like a that's one of the real things that I've taken from agency is making sure that we are putting the candidate first and actually we are delivering them a good experience and giving them feedback to help them and I guess that goes back to what you were saying earlier Paul about kind of advice that you can give to candidates and that's what I guess I've been doing to try and do my bit helping people as they carry on with their job search is giving them proper feedback that hopefully Mm -hmm. will help them for their next yeah yeah definitely It, it is about candidate experience as well as you have to consider candidate experience and hiring manager experience like as an in-house recruiter but what I would say though is when I thinking about being an agency is it really does give you the disciplines especially at RHR you know how data driven we were or in terms of data integrity um and the can being putting the candidate first is really useful because that's really important in-house because it is all about the candidate journey um and that being a positive one whether you're successful or not in joining the business um and you know, reporting is is a big deal, and you need to have accurate data in order to have actually utilize your reports, and that you can use that to strategize or push back on the business or you know educate. So, I think agency can definitely give you the right disciplines to to do that and to kind of take that take those ethics along with you, basically. Yeah, and I think as you know, obviously looking at RHR and, and how we have that whole candidate candidate ownership piece, it's really about you know being that point of contact and giving them that good journey. And I know that not a lot of other agencies operate in that way, so I guess mm. there's some similarity yeah. there as well. Um, yeah, it's great strength, Charles. This is might be a bit of a cheesy one, but you know, tell, tell what do you love about your current role? What what are you really enjoying at the moment? 
ownership. I think you you do have real ownership, and you get to be independent in your role, and you you own what you're doing. You manage your time. Obviously, I have a manager, but I don't need to manage to report into them on a day to day basis. Like, is it? It's you're working independently, and it's down to you to manage your time. And there's flexibility, um, but there's also a lot of support. And you know, we've got great tools here as well, which which aid us in our role as well. So, but I definitely think it's about ownership of role for me. That's a really good one. I'd say, what do I enjoy most about my current role? I think same as the. There is a lot of trust given to people. You can manage your time and you are trusted to manage your time effectively. I guess aside from that, it's super fast-paced here and it's super interesting. And I actually, I'm really, really enjoying getting to speak with really bright people and really inspirational people internally and externally like every day it's so interesting to speak to people that you can learn things from um you know in this kind of environment as well where it's such an innovative company and there's so many exciting things going on it's really nice because every day is different and i'm really been doing a lot of work with the US at the moment as well, which is something that's really new to me. So that's been really interesting as well. Although not so much trying to get my head around kind of like the American English. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of stuff, yeah, there's nice translation there. I'm like, oh no, I don't mean that. (laughs) Yeah, or you want to correct them as well. But (laughs) I know I agree with you on that though. It is good, isn't it? When you speak to, um, when you're recruiting Mm. countries and like you've, you just get to speak to some interesting people. Um, I like that as well, actually, having that international aspect to the role exposes you to more different walks of life, different people. Mm. So, yeah, it makes it, it does add some interest to it when you're speaking to people. You've been listening to RHR Talks. In order to keep updated on future episodes, make sure to subscribe via Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. The best way to be kept up to date on vacancies and content would be to follow RHR on LinkedIn and register via our website at www.rhr.co.uk. If you're looking to hire and are interested in finding out more about all of the recruitment and advertising services we offer, then do reach out directly to any of our consultants or call 0207 432 8888.